for just about everything for the outdoors, go to MidwayUSA.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Well, y'all, it's time for some sharing some things most often unheard outside of elk camp. And I ain't lying. All of this is the purest of truths. Indescribable episodes in the blind, surviving bandit and shank, and the Pennsylvania cat killer. And a surprise topic Joe wants to try to understand. Yep, y'all, it's Ornellis Unleashed, and I ain't lying. So, my friends, pull up a chair, adjust your volumes just right, and welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunting. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunting, brought to you by ElkGrows.com, with your host, Gilbert Ornellis, and elk hunting coach, Joe Gillian. You want to hunt elk? They live to hunt elk. Their goal is to share with you what they have learned grinding it out for over 35 seasons doing what they love. So come on into camp and set a spell. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunters. Hello again, everyone. If it's your first time with us, glad to have you. Hope you enjoy our show. And for those blue collar hunters out there following our show, welcome back to Elk Camp. I'm Gilbert Ornelas coming to you from Midland, Texas, and joining me from New Mexico, your elk hunting coach, the wonderful Joe Gillia. Hey, Gilbert. Hey, up, man. Buddy? I don't know, bro. I'm, I'm just, oh, gosh. I, 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 <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know if people understand what they are doing when they tell us we need to be doing this. All I got, look, y'all out there, listening watching you ask for this sometimes you got to be careful what you wish for that's all i got to say <laughs> absolutely <laughs> gonna be fun I got bud. Some stories ahead for y'all <laughs> for sure. oh cool joe before we get unleashed let's not forget our listeners out there shout it's out bro. shout, shout out. out shout out <laughs> if you're new to our show these are just these are shout-outs to just a few cities with our most listeners that are topping our charts this week. That's right. That's right. Um, and we're going to get right to our shout-outs right away. Uh, one thing before I get started, Chav, as always, this is for you, bud. Absolutely. Right. And so, topping the chart this week, this city has 26 miles of beaches. <laughs> it ain't Florida, man. I know you're looking at that already. There is a pizza style and a hot dog style name for it. It was in this city 
that Pabst Beer won its famous Blue Ribbon. Do you know that, bud? And in the 1850s, get this, the entire city was hydraulically raised several feet to fix a drainage problem. The entire city. Hmm. Chicago, Illinois. Chicago, the windy city. The windy city. Oh, I didn't say that, dude, because I was like, oh, that'd give give it away right away. 26 miles of beaches in Chicago. Wow, man. That's a whole lot of water. Yeah, and people use that, man. I mean, (laughs) you know, when I think of Chicago, I I don't know. I just see people in jackets and coats and cold, and, you know, that's, that's really cool. And uh, PBR, man, who, who would have thought that the, that the, what I'd say that's the national redneck beer. <laughs> from, <laughs> from some of them, for sure. Yeah, well, definitely. Down here in Texas, it'd be Lone Star. Lone Star. There you go. <laughs> no doubt. Joe, the next, next one up, known as the indoor entertainment capital of Oregon. It's outdoor recreational is awesome, too. A kayaker's paradise. You can run the Talutin uh, River and follow that up with a regional destination and favorite jumbo burger at Helvidia Tavern in Tigard, Oregon. <laughs> that would be Tigard. Tigard. Tigard, Oregon. Tigard, Oregon. Yeah. And <laughs> I was like, poor dude, man. He's got, all, let's see, Tualatin River. Uh, yeah. We've got Helvetia Tavern. We got Tigard, Oregon. That thing was full of bombs for you, bro. <laughs> Man, dude, landmines everywhere, Joe. <laughs> Boys, you know I'm just a good old redneck from Texas. <laughs> you got through it all right man and for you guys and tiger thank you for listening uh if we blew your jumbo burger place or your river name we're trying hard here we're we love having you so glad that you guys listen to us man so Amen. thank uh, yeah. you for listening guys up next original originally named fort buenaventura and then brownsville oh there's a big change right uh this okay. city hosted three venues during the 2002 Winter Olympics, and the heart of the city hosts Utah's only whitewater park with Class 2 and Class 3 rapids. It's funny. We've got – that's the first two places are all about kayaking there. Absolutely. And we'd like to give a big shout-out in the house to Ogden, Utah. Ogden, Utah. Thank Been you, there. Utah. Thank you, Ogden. Spend some time in Ogden and Salt Lake City. Beautiful, what, beautiful towns. In Ogden, they 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 got they got lines there, and they're drilling in Ogden. No, no, no. <laughs> I actually went up there for just a vacation with my dad one day. We went to oh, Ogden, cool. and then went to uh, Salt Lake City, and uh, it was. Uh, I'm not gonna lie, Joe. It was for an Amway convention. My dad took me to. So. Oh, really. Cool. Yeah, I you, went up there and saw Randy. Why? Why did you think you had to lie about Amway, bro? <laughs> I ain't gonna lie. I'm just telling you. Went up there for a vacation. I thought it was vacation, but my dad took me to an Amway deal. <laughs> That's, That's hilarious. Surreal deal. I thought I was on vacation. <laughs> you want me to be unleashed? I'm telling the truth, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, cool, guys. Get this, y'all. This city is now the capital of Montana and was founded by accident in 1864. Four Georgia fellas, in a last-ditch effort before going home, found gold up there, and it quickly became a boom town. The Georgia boys wanted to name it Crab Town, but it was Minnesota's 
miners that that uh, won out using the name from their state, Helena, Montana. There you go, Helena, Montana. That <laughs> I just putting this whole thing together was just awesome for me, man. We're talking about Helena, Montana. We had four Georgia fellas that started <laughs> this whole thing, man, for yeah. for this, and they wanted to name it Crab Town, uh, but so many of the miners were from Minnesota that uh, they took the name from Saint Helena, yeah. and the Saint ended up getting dropped off on there. How crazy is that? Well, I don't know why they wanted to call it Crab Town. I mean, they're so far from crabs, they ain't got no clue. <laughs> well, from, on the on, crabs. <laughs> wow. On the, on the Georgia coast, though, I guess a lot of those guys, you know, they had blue crabs over there. That's you. you know okay. what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I I don't, maybe you had a bad itch. I don't know. <laughs> mm, I don't know. Maybe they found some Montana crabs. <laughs> oh, and, and before I give the last one, y'all, uh, just got to let you know, Gilbert, is uh, in an undisclosed place in Texas. Yeah. yeah, our connection can get a little iffy. Yeah, so if we have a little technical difficulty, you might hear a little variance in the sound. He might even freeze up for a second there. Uh, just try to bear with us if that happens. Uh, we're still going to try to get this out to you, man, okay? Yep. Uh, last but not least, <laughs> if you want to get married at Denny's, guys, you only can one place it, to do that, Joe. <laughs> I don't know why, but if you want to, you can in this city. You can get married at Denny's. It's on the menu, bud. Okay. Or maybe you'd like to be trained by former Navy SEALs or Green Berets on how to strategically take down zombies. Mm. Uh, that's a skill that could come in handy. Yeah. Or if you like shrimp, it's no problem in the city. Get this. 60,000 pounds of shrimp are eaten here every doggone day. Mm, 60,000 pounds. That's a lot. That's, that's a lot of shrimp, brother. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Las Vegas, Nevada. <laughs> Only in Vegas could you get married at the Denny's. <laughs> Thanks for listening, guys. We appreciate oh, heck all yeah. our listeners. Oh, and, and I tell you what, uh, you guys there in, in Vegas and, and, you know, I, I tell you, um, there are some tremendous bulls in Nevada, Gilbert, man. No I doubt. mean, uh, you talk about some coveted tags. I mean, that yeah. is just, and most people don't connect, you know, uh, Nevada with the mountains and elk hunting, but they have some, in, and sheep hunting as well, just totally incredible there. Guys, also, I'd like to, you know, again, tell all our listeners, please go to our to Apple Podcast or our YouTube channel. Please rate, subscribe, and review us. Uh, that's how we kind of gain more traction here. Uh, we sure appreciate everybody out there listening to us. We do this because we love it and hope you guys are un understand that the content that we're giving you is many, many years worth of, uh, of great stories and also uh, content on elk hunting. I got the privilege to spend some time this past week with some guys in camp at the uh, Cotton Mesa, and uh, I just got to uh, give give all them boys a shout out. They're up there making it happen every day, hunting bulls and having a great time. Uh, the crew that's up there, all the guides from uh, Travis Carter and all of them, I just want to give them a shout out. Uh, we were hunting with a guy named Tate Mitchell. Tate, 
all those guys had no clue about Elk Bros except for Travis. And all of them now have listened to multiple <laughs> podcasts while they've been laying in the rack and stuff like that. So, guys, we want to give a shout-out to the crew up there at uh, the Cotton Mesa. We had a great time while we were up there, and we appreciate all of them. Yeah, any of you boys have any requests or anything uh, that you'd like to hear from us, just send it our way, man. And any of the rest of y'all out there, you have any questions uh, that you'd like us to answer on our show, we're not going to be doing it on this show. This right. is just this is going to be an enjoyment show right here. But uh, just send that to info at elkbros.com. That's I-N-F-O at E-L-K-B-R-O-S dot com. All right. You so. Gilbert, again, uh, for, for you listeners out there, uh, warning on this one. Uh, I'm not sure what's going to come out sometime of, of this buddy of mine. Uh, I love him to death, man. And, and, you know, when we get in elk camp, things get a little crazy. And, and it's some of the best times that, that we have. And all of us get a chance to tell stories, razz each other. You get to listen to the nonstop comedic actions of our Venezuelan mafia. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I just think being able to do some of this stuff and to talk about some of these things that, that we share in camp, Gilbert, uh, and to make people privy to that. Uh, you know, guys, what what you're going to hear, none of our intentions ever to offend anybody or mm-hmm. or, uh, or to do anything like that. We're, we're just going to have a little fun. I know a lot of you guys are out there busting your hump, you're chasing you them. Over it. What's that, bud? What's that? If they get I said, if we do offend you, get over it. <laughs> I'm just kidding, guys. Uh, uh, That's some of the humor that you get at Elk Camp, for oh, sure. Well, and I'm sure they're they're used to it. And, and if you're solo out there, um, maybe we can fill in and be your partner a little bit and, and just give you a little laugh. Uh, make sure you don't – if you have to go to the bathroom, we don't want anybody leaking, all right? <laughs> uh, uh, all well, right. You know, it's, it's a privilege to be in our elk camp, man. And, you know, uh, I cherish those days. I truly do. I, uh, having the guys around and you the camaraderie and yeah, there's plenty of razzing that goes on in Hayes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> for sure. For sure. And look, man, I, I, I deserve all of it because there's lots of material there. <laughs> well, okay. So, you know, we've talked about this on a few things, Gilbert and, yep. uh, at L camp this year, 2019, uh, I had the pleasure, and, and the other boys had the pleasure of meeting a true-to-life legend in our camp. And so some people might not know the story. And for all those listeners out there, I just have to ask you, Gilbert, who the heck is the Pennsylvania cat killer? <laughs> <laughs> well, it would be, if you guys saw our, our uh, podcast from from camp at Elk Camp, it would be the one and only the cat killer himself, Brendan Houlihan, uh, out of Pennsylvania. Brendan and I have hunted together for many, many years. We were on a, a tremendous whitetail hunt on the Bob Allen Ranch. Uh, I want to say, I can't remember if it was 2008, 2007, somewhere along that line. Um, we were down there hunting whitetails, and uh, something happened that's never happened and still hasn't never happened on a ranch in Texas today where we killed four mountain lions in one day. Uh, Wasn't there a story about this? Yes. So it's written in the Texas Trophy Hunter magazine. Uh, Brendan actually killed three of the lions. uh, And, you know, we found two of them uh, that he killed. Uh, The other one, I think, got away, but it 
it didn't make it. Uh, and then we killed another lion uh, that evening uh, with a call and uh, actually called him in. But he saw, he says, you know, five or six lions. And, man, I, I want to say it was probably seven or eight, but it was a whole bunch. Look, man, when you're talking about a pride of lions or, you know, lions that many being together, the Texas Wildlife uh, Association and the, the game biologists have never seen anything like that. Well, you know, Gilbert, now wait a second, but the way you tell this story sounds so smooth. We saw this number. We saw that number. He killed. I did. Uh, I, from what I understand, this whole event wasn't all that smooth. <laughs> it wasn't, wasn't smooth. No. I, look, it, it started out, you know, and I'm telling the story so Brendan can Brendan <laughs> Uh, add his bit when uh, he gets a spot, maybe never. Uh, but anyhow, uh, <laughs> the story that I like to tell and the one that I remember vividly because I was there uh, is um, I had some guys deer hunting in in West Texas with me. Uh, Bruce Gaynor, uh, who's like a dad to me, really close friend, and uh, and you know also a, a customer in the business. Mm -hmm. And then Brendan Houlihan, also another client in our business and a, a real good friend. So we went out there whitetail hunting. I actually had Bruce Gaynor with me who'd never killed a whitetail deer with a, with a, uh, a rifle. Thinks it's easy right during the rut. It's not easy, I guarantee you. It's extremely difficult, which he proved. Uh, I think he missed three times before he just wanted to throw the gun at a deer. Uh, <laughs> but that morning was ex especially hard. Um, it was unbelievably foggy, okay? I'm talking like uh, you couldn't see, you know, 65 feet in front of the blind. I mean, it's that foggy all the time. Soup. Yeah, it's just soup, you know. And so we got up there, and it was probably 8, 30, 9 o'clock before that fog started to clear. And, you know, Bruce had shot a couple times at some some management deer and stuff like that. And, you know, we – uh we just weren't seeing the animals because of the, the conditions that we had. Well, that morning I had dropped Brendan off at another blind before Bruce and I went together. Brendan's an experienced hunter, knew what we were looking for. I dropped him out and he says there was no way that he could find his way to that blind, but there were actual ribbons tied on trees that led him to that blind. But I think he was more scared to death of all that was out there of the unknown getting to that blind, right? I mean, it's just probably about 80 yards off the road walking in there. And uh, so anyway, I said, hey, just follow that road right in there to it, and you'll come to a big blind, high-rise black blind. Well, it's not easy to see a high-rise <laughs> blind. And if you've ever been out in West Texas in the pitch black, it's darker than you know what out there, you know. And uh, he he had a tough time finding it. Well, the whole time he's out there trying to find it, he gets what we call the heebie-jeebies. So what the heck are the heebie-jeebies, man? Look, Joe, the heebie-jeebies <laughs> is something that comes over you kind of like them Venezuelans vitilakis, but it's, uh, you know, like buck fever. But the heebie-jeebies is like when you get all stirred up in your spirit, you know, and <laughs> like you feel like something's going to get you. And uh, that's kind of the heebie-jeebies, right? And I'm telling you, Brennan said he had the heebie-jeebies when he started walking in there, right? And – uh. <laughs> So he kind of double-timed it to that blind, and, man, he struggled finding it there for a little bit, and finally he found it, And uh, but it was, it, if you read the story, he had a tough time finding the blind, and he really was, like, nerved up the whole time. Like, he felt like something was 
watching him, you know. So he got up in the blind, no big deal. And, again, he experienced all that soup, you know, that West Texas fog. Like if a lot of you guys are from West Texas, y'all know exactly what I'm talking about when the fog comes in, right? Mm-hmm. Well, <clears throat> when the fog broke, I'm going to tell the story from my perspective, and then I'll tell it from Brendan's as well. <laughs> But from my perspective, when the fog broke, uh, Bruce had missed a couple of deer. So we're sitting there, and then all of a sudden, about 9 o'clock, we hear, Patoom! and I went, oh, that was Brendan down there at the wolf blind, right? And uh, I hear, Patoom! I'm like, oh, my gosh, he shot twice. I'm thinking, well, he's got a doe and a buck to kill. Maybe he missed a buck and had to shoot him again. Patoom! Patoom! And I'm like, Oh my gosh, that's that's five times he shot that rifle, right? And then boom, I'm like, okay, get your stuff, Joe, uh, Bruce, get your stuff. We got to go. So I mean, you know, the guys shoot like six or seven times, man. I'm like, there's something wrong. Well, look, we're we're in an area where uh, we're close to the border, and man, I sure as heck didn't want him to get in a firefight with somebody and have no backup or no help at all. I didn't know what was wrong. Normally, guys don't shoot seven times, you know. So I get down. He says it was like an hour before I came up, but that's <laughs> not true. I can tell you that right now. But anyway, I got down, me and Bruce, because we were worried about how many times he shot. So, look, I've been guiding a long time in that country, and I know that it only takes one or two shots to kill a couple deer, right? right. And this guy can shoot. So, man, I'm thinking, what in the world is going on here, Joe? So I get down, and we fly up there to him. And as I get out of the truck, I'm walking in there to that little to that little drive where you go in there, and I see him hanging his head out the window of the blind. And I said, Ed, are you all right? He goes, hell no, I ain't all right. I'm way far from all right. I said, what's the matter? He goes, lions. Lions are everywhere. Man, that cat's up there smoking something. He ought not be smoking, right? I'm, I'm like, Brendan, are you high? I'm looking up there at him, and he's like, no, man, there's lines everywhere. And I'm like, man, so, man, you know, he goes, go back to the truck and get your guns and load it. I'm like, so, man, I run back to the truck. You know, I'm a pretty good ways from him when we're talking. I run back to the truck, get my gun and load it. And I'm like, man, so I get up there and I said, dude, are you for real? There's lines here. He goes, man, there was one just standing right behind you. Well, dude, it hit me then. <laughs> one right behind me. Are you kidding me, man? I so boy, I, I got down like it. He goes, no, we're talking. He goes, you're ready now. He goes, dude, I'm telling you, they've coming out of the woodworks when I shot. I'm like, I've never heard in my life, never in my life heard of more than one guy saying one mountain lion, right? Right. Earlier that year, we'd killed a mountain lion on that ranch, but we'd had a big flood and stuff like that. And and some guys put out a a, a a dadgum uh, coyote call or a varmint call, and they called a cat in, a female cat. So they killed her. But that was the only thing that we'd seen, right? So make a long story short, I'm going to go back to Brendan's point of view. He had sat there that morning and not seeing anything with all that soup. It starts getting better, and he sees something walk in front of the feeder, the, the corn feeder. He's like, I don't know what that is. So He's like, hmm, uh, he thought it was a deer, big, you know. So he said, well, I'm going to be ready if it comes back out. So he gets his he gets his binoculars up and he's looking. 
and it walks back out and it's got a tail that's that long, right? <laughs> it's like, oh man, that ain't a deer, that's a mountain lion. So he gets his gun and he pokes it out the window and it thing walks off. Well, he's like, gosh, dog, it walks from the other way. Well, he's like, man, doggone it. Well, just about that time, one pokes his head out from the other side. You know, it had walked that way, so now it's got to come back this way. No, this other one walks out from where the other one came from. He goes, oh, my gosh. And then it kind of walked back into the fog a little bit, so he didn't have no way to call him or anything. Well, he had a, a doe and estrus bleat call. They call uh -huh. it tan, okay? So right. he got that thing out there and went, yeah, 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 like that with that can. Well, man, that got their attention big time. And here come one of them. Well, he let the air out of that first one up underneath that feeder. Well, and then he said it just erupted. Cats started running everywhere. So <laughs> one come running at him, whoom, he cuts that one down. Another one running in front of him, whoom, he cut that one down. Another one ran to the left, whoom, he cut that one down, right? So he's like, he's out of bullets. I mean, just slap out of bullets. He's got some more in his pack, but he's out of bullets in his gun, you know? So he's just kind of freaked out the whole time. And now he's understanding why he had the heebie-jeebies when he walked in there. <laughs> Little don't us why they were in there so thick is they killed a couple of mule deer and they had them stashed right close to the blind. Oh, so wow. when he walked in there that morning, he walked in on a fresh kill. Mm. And they'd been eating on him all night. Well, the best we can think, Joe, is there was five or six cats, maybe more. Uh, but the one we killed was a female, a male, and uh, a big a big cub, right, mm -hmm. uh, about a year and a half old. So, I mean, it was unbelievable. Uh, when he killed the first one, it was dead up underneath the feeder. So when I, I, I – he gets down out of the blind, I said, multiple lines? He said, yes multiple ones i mean they were everywhere i'm like no way i said i said what's laying up under the feeder over there he said that's one of them right there so we go walking up there i said listen man our outfitter bubba finstad with west texas whitetails is not going to believe this i said we need to get in the truck and we need to go back and get him and i, I he said well i want to find the other line i said all right, cool. Let's start tracking him. So, man, I got my gun out now. I'm on point, right? I'm, I mean, lions are everywhere, dude. So, I, I, these are killers, man. I mean, I ain't. We're oh, not yeah. playing, right? We're not playing with these cats. So, man, I kind of got point, and he's on blood, and we're following blood. Joe, I've never seen this in my life. This is no lie. I ain't lying, y'all. I have never seen in my life guts from a cat strung up seven, eight feet up in a mesquite tree. As far as you can see, those guts were strung out 60, 70 feet of guts. And I don't even think there's 60, 70 feet of gut in a lion. But I'm telling you, it was up in the trees now. Wow. Seven, Unbelievable. Six, seven feet up in the tree where that cat was clear and all that, and he was dragging his guts. He had hit that one cat in the sternum and just split him right down the middle, mm -hmm. and his guts were spilling out. So he drug all of his guts out, and we I guarantee you we followed that cat 250, 300 yards with his guts drug out of him, 
and finally we come up on him. He was in a deadfall. I stepped over that deadfall, and he was curled up right there. And I'm telling you, I almost stepped on him. And, brother, my drawers changed colors when I almost stepped on him now. I'm going to tell you all, I'm telling you, I felt a little ooze out because I'm telling you, it was rough now. I, I saw that cat, and I thought he was alive. So, man, I backed up, got on point, and I'm like, oh, he's right there. God dang it, you know. I'm like, oh, my God. So I looked over again, and he's stone dead laying there curled up, right? I'm like, good God almighty, Brendan. I said, look at this cat. I said, don't touch anything. Don't touch nothing. Our outfitter is not going to believe this crap, right? So we get back to the truck, okay? And I ain't lying about this either. I put the truck in reverse, and I put my arm – you know how you put your arm over the right, back? Right, right. Look, you know, just like – uh-huh. A line in the road, Joe. I'm talking straight down the road from us standing there looking at us. I'm like, oh my God, there's a line standing in the road. Brendan's like, I told you, man, there's more out here. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm not going to believe this. So we took off back to the camp, right? I brought my video camera. I got most of it uh, logged into video. We brought my outfitter back down there, showed him everything. He was unbelievably like this is staged. Y'all did something to stage this. The guts in the trees, man, you just can't do that. I thought, you know, I, I got to thinking maybe aliens come down here and got this cat and jerked him up. And, I mean, you never, how in the world are those guts going to get up in those trees, Joe? It's craziness, right? So we, we show Bubba and everything. We get the cats back to camp. We call the Texas Parks and Wildlife. You know, they want to come out there and do studies on the cat's tongues and jaws right, and right. stuff like that. So we leave them uh, to where, the you know, they can do all of that stuff. And they told us how old the cats were and, you know, what origination. They, they come out of the, the Big Bend National Forest. I mean, that's where they originated at. So evidently that flood had washed them down. You know, I'll be turned. Uh, and what those biologists had told us is they're evolving. These creatures that live on these ranches, they figure out that these feed stations are, are, you know, just like lions do at water holes. They, they know that game are coming there to feed and they right. start using them and <laughs> they teach the other ones how to use them. So it was a, it was a huge deal. And I think the lesson out of all of this is man, be prepared for the unexpected to happen. Carry plenty of bullets and carry a sidearm and just be prepared for the unexpected. Well, you know, I, I've got to interject there, though, that when when I heard Brandon being at camp when you were telling the story, he wasn't too impressed with your choice of weapons when you showed up. Yeah, I know. You know, Joe, I, I, I hunt with a Thompson Center 7-millimeter Magnum, so uh -huh. he's Single shot. I come up there hunting lions with a single shot rifle. Now, look, I mean, I can put that thing in a dime-sized hole out there to about 300 yards, but at the end of the day, I'm, I'm a little underpowered or under uh, – I don't have enough ammunition, uh, he thought. I, I can rattle off pretty good with it if I have to, but, you know, he's probably right. I needed an AR-15 or something like that, something with a high capacity. So he was a little turned off by me not having but a single-shot rifle, you know, and he's ready to get in that damn truck. He didn't want to stand around and talk about it much longer because he knew how many lines was there. I didn't. 
I didn't know how many lions were there until he said, he said you showed up. Yeah, I got your back. I got your back. The heck, you got my back. You got a single shot, bro. I, yeah, I got one bullet. You know, I'm like, yeah, man, I can load that thing fast. Don't worry about it. You know, <laughs> so I, you know when I when I saw the lion standing in the road, mm, yeah, I mean, I knew something was up. Yeah. So that night they set up a call in that same area, and the male lion came in there. And a guy named Dwayne Glasgow that I worked with at Smith, uh -huh. uh, Dwayne Glasgow killed that lion with a 22 250, shot him, uh, and we waited all night and let him run off. And uh, I, you know, I was pretty geeked up about these lions. I want to go look for him that night, and you know, I was advised that that was the dumbest idea a man could ever have to try to go <laughs> look for a daggum lion that was shot with a 22 250. And now that I think about it, it damn sure was. It was a horrible idea. Uh, I think I might have had a few too many of that libation going on in camp and toasted a too too few many. I mean, the cat killer probably did. And, uh, you know, I wanted to go look because, I mean, that was the biggest one. And sure enough, he shot him at 22-250. The next morning he was stone dead 40 yards from where he shot him down in that creek. Uh, but that cat actually came back to the exact site where we were shooting those, where we'd shot the other cats. That's he was true. coming back to that kill. Wow. Yeah. Unbelievable, man. But really unbelievable. You, you know, uh, uh, talking about, you know, you were talking about blinds earlier and, and you were talking about libation and toasting and, and, uh, and it just kind of reminds me, and, and you and I know a lot of people uh, don't know, but today's kind of a, a special day for, uh, for us. And we're not going to go too much into that, but, you know, people have heard us talk about Carl Gamage and, and, Today, the day that we're recording this is October 16th, and, and uh, uh, today is the anniversary of Carl's death. And that, that, was, a, that was a time and uh, a tough time at the time for, for you and me and a lot of people. Um, but since then, uh, that's why I thought it was so awesome that we were recording tonight, because I thought as a tribute to the man, to the legend, uh, to a, a real man's man, you know, no uh, I, I thought a great thing we could do is, is throw in some of those stories. And I know you have a bunch of those. And, and so that, you know, uh, uh, Carl, buddy, uh, you're still with us uh, every day. Uh, we think about you all the time. And uh, we're going to have a little laugh on your behalf. So I hope you get a, a smile on your face and a tear in your eyes as you listen to some of this. But buddy, uh <laughs> You were talking about blinds and, and, you know, I, I know there's been some times when, when you first came up there to, to hunt with Carl that, uh, you might've been in a blind or two. Oh yeah. There's no doubt in a blind and in a bind. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm going to tell you straight up. Listen, Carl Gamage was one of my best friends and I loved him dearly. Um, his passing or rebirth, if you want to call it. There you go. Uh, he, his legend and his, his, uh, his memory will live on in infamy with me until I get to see him again one day on the other side. And I look forward to that day to see my brother again and uh, have a little toast with some of that nectar from heaven. Uh, I don't know what it'll be, but I love that man like my own father and my brother. Uh, we were close, uh, as close could be. I knew him for a little over six years, and uh, this is the fifth year of his rebirth. 
Uh, I know he bust heaven wide open when he hit the pearly gates. (laughs) God had a special place for that man because I really truly believe that all of our war veterans have a special place at the right hand of God. They're they're special people. Uh, they, They paid the ultimate sacrifice for a lot of us. And he was a true American hero in my mind. And, uh, Spending time with Carl Gamage was one thing that was so important to me. Um, number one, I loved the elk hunt, but I was fat as a hog. And and that's not no lie. Look, 335 pounds, fat as a hog. Uh, and he knew it, but he knew I loved to be there with him. Uh, so he set some blinds up uh, just for guys like me that was too fat ass to walk around in the in the elk woods and uh he didn't mind telling that you was too fat ass to walk around in the elk woods but he told it straight up and he was right after the first day i almost died so the second day we sat in the blind and uh look i got as close as i ever come to killing a bull the second day with him in that blind and man I'm going to tell you straight up, we sat there and listened. I listened to him fart in that blind about gag a maggot on a gut wagon. I ain't lying, boys. Let me tell you, that some gun make your eyeball, eyelashes fall out. And uh, he would laugh and giggle and everything because he had you he had you dead to right you in that blind. You can't go nowhere, you know. And then, you know, he's got them old loud bottles and he's drinking, you know, water in there. And he's reading a book he always liked to read and uh, something about a cowboy, I'm sure. So we were sitting there, and, you know, it's about 4 o'clock, and the elk start coming down the mountain at about 5. Well, at 5, 10 after 5, the the elk woods lit up with a herd, sound like a herd of buffalo coming off that mountain, okay? And when they came down off that daggum mountain, it sounded like a herd of buffalo, and they come right up to the blind. They came right into that triangle, and came right up to the blind, and they're all around us. Yeah, yeah, you hear them calves and cows mewing. And then, I mean, a giant bull's behind us. And he's directly behind us, 18 yards, Joe. Okay, my big fat ass in that blind's trying to square around to draw my bow, okay, and lean out the window. And, dude, it is a fiasco going on in there. So get this. While I'm doing that, I catch a Charlie horse in my leg because I'm a fat ass, all right? I'm serious. And I'd been so depleted of water the day before, I probably sweat 30 pounds out. because, And I just walked maybe a couple miles. But it's, I'm telling you, I sweat like a daggum, you know, grizzly bear up there. And I, I want to say something else for those guys that know me know exactly how, I'm, how I sweat. Okay? I can't say it on the air, but I promise you. They know, guys that know me know exactly how hard I sweat, okay? So, at the end of the day, I, I'm, I'm telling you, I got this horrible cramp in my leg, and that son of a gun got out of his chair, Joe, and he started massaging my leg, okay? Look, if anybody knew Carl Kimmich a day in his life, knew that he wasn't touching nobody's damn leg, all right? I'm serious, but he started massaging massage my leg, man, trying to get that Charlie horse. I'm dying laughing. He's laughing, and he's wanting to knock the hell out of me. I guarantee you. So he's massaging that thing. That bull gets around the left side, man, and he gets off balance. And when he gets off balance, he crunches a water bottle. Oh, 
oh my gosh, you don't want to crunch a water bottle in a big herd of elk, man. I'm telling you, as fast as they came in, they blew out of there like a fart in the wind, son. I'm talking Gandhi. Boom, up the mountain they went. He was so pissed off. He threw his shit down. Bam, oh man, he's like going nuts. Ah, damn it. He said, I rubbed your damn leg and everything. And the temple left. He was pissed off. I'm telling you, straight up, he was back as long as And uh, I, I'll never forget that as long as the blind, you know. Then we were up at Kent's Park one time in the blind, and we had a dadgum dang black bear. He was asleep in the blind, and I look up, you know, I'm I'm wide-eyed and bushy-tailed, man. I, you know, I can hear these bulls above Kent's Park bugling their heads off, right? And I'm wide-eyed and bushy-tailed, and I see something black coming down the trail, and I'm like, oh, man, I see that. Maybe that's one of them elk that's all blacked up, you know, from wallering in the mud. So I, I kind of just gently nudge him, you know, and, I said, Carl, Carl, he looks up at me. I said, I think I see a bull. He goes, you think? I said, what do you mean you think? There's a damn thing there outside. I said, something's coming in. He gets up, man, gets his stuff together and everything. He's got, he's got some really cool binos. They're like us. And they're, man, I mean, they're very expensive. And he can, you can see like a gnat's butt at a thousand yards with that damn thing, right? He gets him, he said, Oh hell! I said, "What?" He goes, "Yeah." He goes, "Man, I've got these dadgum bears up here, man." He said, "They're very curious of these blinds." He said, "Man, just hang in there a minute." So I was sitting there in that blind. I'm like, "A bear?" He goes, "Yeah, a bear." I said, "Well, what are we gonna do?" He said, "I don't know." He said, "We're gonna sit here and watch that bear. We're not gonna do anything." So we just sat there, and he's ambling down, probably 75, 80 yards, and he's just getting closer and closer. <laughs> Oh, I mean, you could hear him huffing and puffing, and the bear walks across the dam of Kent's Park Waller there, and he comes right over to the blind. And I'm like, oh, my God. I, I, my heart is doom, 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 doom. I mean, you're in the presence of something that can eat you, Joe. So I never had an experience that a day in my life. That man was, like, unfazed. Like, you know, I stared down the barrel of, you know, an M16 for how many days in combat, that damn bear ain't scared me. I promise you, you know? So I look over at him and I'm like, uh, do you have a pistol? He goes, for what? <laughs> I said, for that bear. He goes, can you shoot that bear with that pistol? I said, why not? He said, don't have a tag. I went, well, what if the bear decides to want to come in here? He goes, well, let's hope he don't. I'm like, hey, this bear is 20 yards from us, Joe. The bear walks straight up to the blind. I draw my bow. Dude, I'm freaking out. About to hyperventilate. I draw my bow, and he grabs me by the knee. He grabs me by the knee. He goes, no, no. Dude, I'll shoot that bear. No, no. No, no. That's what he told me. No, no. I look at him like that, like he's like I'm a little kid, right? He's he says, "You shoot that bear, and he will run through this blind like Swiss cheese, son." And I'm like, "Oh my God! Well, what are we gonna do?" He goes, "Just relax. Let the bow down." So I let the bow down. The the bear is at eight feet. I I, I let the bow down, and the bear sticks his nose straight up to the blind. 
and sniffs the corner of the blind. I'm like, oh, by this time I look, he's in the pack getting the, the, the hammer out. He's getting that pistol out, okay? So now he's a little nervous, all right? He gets the pistol out and lays it on his lap. And I'm like, what in the world? I see him take his hand like this, okay? He takes his hand just like this. Boom! And he hits that damn bear right in the nose. Bam! Bear goes, and does a complete backflip over a freaking log and gets his hind leg hung in the freaking log and starts biting on his own leg. I'll never forget it as long as I live. It scared the dog mess out of me. And I'm like, at that time, the bear gets his leg free and he runs up about 60 yards up there and stands up on his hind legs. And Carl goes, he just nudges me and he goes, you can shoot him now. (laughs) I want to go home. I said, let's go. I'm not standing here with that sucker outside. He goes, Oh, don't be a pansy. That ain't what he said, but he said pansy, right? He said, don't be a pansy. He said, God almighty. He said that bear wasn't going to hurt nobody. I said, Oh my God, you hit the bear in the nose, Carl. He goes, you want to see an elk? You want to wrestle a bear? I said, well, I damn sure didn't want to wrestle that bear. I'm ready to go back. He said, we ain't going back, you big pansy. <laughs> Just get ready. The, the bulls are going to be in here in a minute. The, the bear's going to go on. He's, he don't like being around things that hit him in the nose and everything. I'm thinking, well, that son of a gun could come back. He could be mad at us. You know, and he, he's like, plus I got my 480 right here. We'll, we'll take care of him. Don't worry. I'm like, why don't you shoot at him a couple times so he'll go on off, you know? We had a, a long conversation about bears and, Look, I ain't never been around them before. He just told me they like big raccoons, you know. <laughs> They're just curious about everything. They love his blind. So those are two unbelievable stories about not not only his compassion, but also his crazy ass about not giving a damn about whatever's in them woods, man. I think <laughs> he just walk through a whole mile of grizzly bears and not give a damn. Well, when you were with Carl, you didn't just have to contend with grizzly bears. He had he had some of his own little grizzlies, his his little domesticated grizzlies, didn't he? Oh my gosh, Joe! Listen, he had two of the baddest ass little dogs that weren't scared of nothing. I'm talking like straight ass Cujo. Like I'm talking like so. He had two dogs, Bandit and Shank. Okay, Bandit was old and cantankerous, just like Carl. And <laughs> freaking uh, Shank was a newbie, all right, a little pup. Well, listen, first time I ever seen Carl, met Carl Gamage. Look, we went to his house, got all our gear loaded up. The dog was in the truck. I mean, looked like a regular old dog, you know, no big deal, huh? Yeah, right. So get to elk camp, and the dog's kind of – growly around everybody he's kind of like this is my stuff and y'all are in the way um so that next morning carl or the second morning carl decides well we're gonna drive the truck because his fat ass can't walk uh so we're gonna drive the truck down there to like around the the church and then we'll get out and walk up to the hump and on the bench right well about just past the gap he forgets the decoy forgets the decoy well Listen, Carl's truck was Bandit's sanctuary, okay? That's his house, right? 
But when you ride in the truck with Carl and Bandit, Bandit rides in the back, but he's pissed off because he ain't up front. So <laughs> Bandit's in the back. Carl bails out of the truck and leaves me alone with that dog in the truck. Okay, listen, that dog was not happy that Carl had left, but even more so, he had forgot that I was there. But listen here, y'all, when he remembered I was there, that SOB wanted to eat my ass up. Now, listen, I have never in my life been afraid of a dog, and I wasn't afraid of that one. But I did know that he wanted to bite me, okay? So, listen, when I get a little agitated or I get a little scared, I get angry. And so me and that dog had to come to Jesus meeting right there because as soon as Carl walked out of sight, that SOB turned at me. He's <laughs> he's looking at Carl. <laughs> I mean, he just proved you the And man, I'm telling you, dude, the hair on the back of my neck stood up, son. And I went, you get your ass in the back back there and shut the hell up, man. I lost my shit with that dog. I ain't lying, yo. Because I didn't want him to bite. I knew 100% he wanted to bite my ass. You know? I said, I will whoop your ass, you know, get your ass back there. So, man, that dog was kind of cowered back there. And then he kind of lunged at me. When he did, I knocked the piss out of that dog. Bite y'all. I'll kill you. And I pulled my knife out. Because, man, dude, I'm telling you, I didn't want to have to get that man's dog because I knew he would kill me when he got back. But I was not going to let that dog bite the hell out of me, dog, uh, Joe. So I get him pinned up in the back back there, and he's calm now. He's not growling at me anymore. Carl Gamage comes walking back to the truck. He gets in, and, and uh, he thought nothing of me. He just gets in, and I said, hey, stop. He said, what's the matter? I said, the next time you get out of this damn truck, you take that dog with you. I said, man, that son of a bitch had a dadgum come to Jesus meeting. I said, he tried to bite me, Carl. He said, oh, hell, he wouldn't bite much. I said, the hell you say? I said, that son of a gun tried to bite me, man. He come cujoed on me and rawr, he started laughing. <laughs> he said, your big ass was scared of that dog. I said, no, but I got my knife out and I was fixing to cut me a car, me a piece out of that son of a gun. He said, well, it's a good thing you didn't. And that's all he said. <laughs> he didn't say another word. We just took off driving. I said, well, man, why would you leave me alone with that dog? He said, that dog ain't going to bother you. Just act like he ain't there. So, Again, we get to a gap and he's got to get out. Well, the dog didn't say another word, right? So he come got in the truck and he said, huh, seems like you might have your bluff in old Bandit. I said, I don't know, man. But I did. That that helped me in Bandit's relationship. And I was <laughs> the only one. Look, he had a bag phone. And the only way you could get out to call home was on that bag phone down there by that stump in the Martinez Canyon. And I was the only one that could go to that truck and use that bag phone. Nobody else could get in the damn truck or nobody else wanted to. I could get up in it, dial it, and hand it out the window, and the dog wouldn't eat me up. But he'd eat just about everybody else up, right? I mean, he was freaking a tyrant. Hell, he bit Carl several times. Bit him when he was up on the phone. Trying, he's trying to get him on, beat him on his hand, punctured his hand real bad. I'm like, ain't no way I have a dog bite me like that. He said, oh, hell, the dog didn't know no better. You know, he loved that dog, though. So he got him another dog because he knew uh, Brandit was getting along in the tooth, right? right? So he got him another one, old Shank. Brought him up there as a pup, and, man, we had a big time with him that first year. And He was lovable. You know, he, he loved everybody. Yeah, yeah, he did. Well, 
man, make a long story short, Carl and them were building the porch out there on the Martinez camp. And all of a sudden, a coyote run out in the Martinez, and somebody grabbed a, a AR-15 and shot. Well, nobody knew old, old uh, Shank was scared to death of a firearm. And listen, that dog stayed gone 29 days. They could wow. not find that dog. Yeah, I remember that. Mm-hmm. I mean, and look, Carl Gamage was tore up about it. I mean, he cried like a baby when he couldn't find that dog. And they'd go out and work on that place all the time. He'd hang his shirt up there on the camp so the dog could get a smell if, you know, he caught the scent. And I mean, he rode that whole place with his horse. I mean, mm-hmm. all over, could not find that dog. Well, they were putting the, the finishing touches on that porch, and he was nailing something, and all of a sudden something run up under him on the 29th of day. And something run up under him, ran under the porch, and he thought it was another coyote. He, like, freaked out. You know, he's like, what the hell is a bag of bones, a dog? And it was Shank. Yeah. Shank came back. Wow. And it was just a bag of bones, man. Carl said to him and his wife cried and loved on that dog. And, of course, you know, the dog had survived on cow turds and whatever else he could eat for the last 29 days. Plenty of water around the Martinez, but what the hell that dog ate, you know? Yeah, had right. to survive on cow turds, you know? So, I mean, Carl and his dogs were amazing, man. And look, old, old Bandit was a pretty good little tracking dog, too, man. Got on a blood trail. He, he'd follow it pretty good. <laughs> that dog was so mean, though, man. Uh, you, you, he'd ride in the in the UTV in the mule with us. He was so mean, he'd bite branches outside the, <laughs> the yeah. UTV if they got close, man. If a branch got even close to the UTV, <laughs> to the mule, he went on. And, and look, man, he'd bite you, too. I'm telling you, we'd go in there, and he'd be laying in there in the camp, and he just kind of, you know, he'd look like that up at you with one eye. And, oh. I mean, he wanted to bite you so bad, but he knew Carl would whoop his ass if he bit you. And uh, uh, I, I don't know, though, if you antagonize that dog a little bit, I think Carl would let him bite you and he'd laugh about it. You know, Carl thought it was humorous if people well, scared that dog. And look, I wasn't scared of him, but I knew he'd bite me, you know, and uh, I knew I'd have to whoop his tail again, but he never offered to bite me again after I did that. Right. You know? He well, never would be aggressive towards me. I kind of, I think we kind of had to come to Jesus meeting and I love, <laughs> I love both those dogs and I'm not even a dog guy. I'm allergic to, you know, my own damn shadow. And, uh, so I was allergic to dogs, but I'd take me a couple of Benadryls every time I'd spend time with them dogs so I could, I could withstand it, you know? That's uh, pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. He yeah. loved, he loved his dogs. <clears throat> he loved being in that cow camp in the Martinez. Well, I tell you what, uh, you know, he he'd have been he'd have loved to have been with us in our in our camp this year, and and he was. We know he was, and and uh, and and I'm about to give him something special here because th- there were some things that, and we'll probably tell more stories about Elk Camp 2019 and some of those sure. things that happened, but there was something sp- specific, Gilbert, that it. It damaged me, man. I mean, oh. oh, oh, yeah, it literally damaged because oh. yeah, I, I'm in camping and I, we come back from a hunt and I was like, well, where's Gilbert at? And uh, and Brandon said something to me and and it kind of mumbled. Oh, I think he went you know, changing on and I was like, what the heck did he say? He went to go. <laughs> he, went, he went to. <laughs> he went to go what? Uh, and and I was like, I could have sworn. 
he just said he left to go change his tampon, man. And I was like, I, I, I got to be hearing things wrong, man. I, I, this, no, no, no. And so I, I just like, you know, I wear hearing aids, right? You, you, and I figure, oh, this is just one of them figments of things that I thought I heard that there's no way I heard this. So we're, we're, we're walking in the woods and we're, we're all hunting out there. And uh, somebody, uh, somebody made a comment about a man pawn, <laughs> and all of a sudden it was like, oh, and things were starting to come together. But I was like, he said he didn't say tampon. He said he went to go change his man pawn. I'm like, and I heard him say that in the woods, and I was like, and I made uh, it was my fault. I shouldn't have gone there, <laughs> but the curiosity got the best of curiosity me. Curiosity killed the cat, Joe. And oh my God, man, Gilbert. Oh, and for y'all out there, man, uh, you might want to turn it off at this point if you don't want to go any further. But Gilbert, man. Hey, this is straight up Ornella's Unleashed. I cannot take credit for the revealing of the man pond. But I will tell you that Rob Deerdeck. And Big Black, they are the ones that brought the man pond to life. I have just carried it on. Big Black, Big Black has passed on, but his man pond theory has lived on forever, and I want Big Black to know that. And Rob Deerdeck, okay? You guys have never watched Ridiculousness or anything like that. That's Rob Deerdeck. He had an unbelievable guy who was big and Rob for a long time. His name was Big Black uh, Christopher Boykin, and they – developed a man pond <laughs> oh, i hope y'all are ready for this <laughs> <laughs> listen guys when you're in the elk woods now you know it's not like you got a real holiday in to go back to and take a shower and everything well and and look you're eating some things that might upset your stomach a little bit and you get a little leaky down there and you know you need something to absorb all of that so big black would eat too many chicken wings hot wings and he would have the mud butt is what he would call it, okay? And you get the mud butt back there where he's get a little bit of leakage, and, man, it would chafe him up real bad. Well, listen, I'd heard that one of the hunters was getting a little chafed up back there because he had the mud butt, right? So I just broke it out. I said, man, you need, to, you need to develop your man pond. And he said, what the hell is a man pond? I said, listen, man, just roll you up one sheet of toilet paper and, you know, just kind of make it a trifold, and then you shove it there in the crack of your butt, and that keeps, you know, that mud from developing. <laughs> when, you, when, you do your business, when you go and do your business, I mean, everything contained right there it ain't all skid marked on your drawers and all of that so big black said man look if you got the mud butt syndrome you put your man pawn in and uh you, you know everything's good son i mean listen you can youtube that and look for the mud butt right and big black boy can come up there and he's the one that came up with the man pawn idea so i took it one step further and went out in the woods with it because listen you know <laughs> Big guys like us, we get a little bit of leakage down. It's it's going to make you chafe, you know. So, Brendan, the Pennsylvania cat killer, was having some chafing issues. So, I told him about it. And, man, I'm telling you, problem solved. He's like, hot damn, the man pond is unbelievable, right? So, 
look, you guys out there, y'all are getting that straight up content from elkbros.com, Blue Collar Elk Hunting, right here. Told you about the man pond and the mud butt syndrome. I mean, I don't know what else to tell you. It works, okay? You get, oh, it's getting a little long and too, get a little tough to hold back there, and it gets a little leakage, you know? It's the, just the way it is. <laughs> you got to get the mud butt. You can't have mud butt when you're on the mountain, right? Especially when you go a couple of days and you ain't bathing or something like that. A mud butt will get you bad, right? So you got to have the man pond, stud, you know? I mean, straight up. I don't know how the other way. You know, somebody would be might embarrassed, be embarrassed telling this. I'm telling you, elk hunters around the world are going to want to use the mud butt, the man pond, because they got the mud butt, I guarantee you. Uh, I want you guys to know you will not hear this anywhere else. <laughs> Listen, if Waddy's listening or any of them guys like that, I guarantee you they've had the mud butt too, and they're going to start using the man. You, you know, there's all these guys out there, and they're going, oh, my God, you know, because there's somebody standing around them or there's somebody listening to them. Listening, they're going, oh, my God, oh, my God, and inside they're going, hmm. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Those are those that talk about it and those that lie about it. Okay. There's often other things that we do that we do that with too, and the mud bud is kind of one of them. But man, I'm telling you, I can't have that when I'm up on the mountain, man. That oh man. I tell you, I, I, I had to. I had to ask Gilbert, and <laughs> I mean. uh that that was just uh, and guys we were we were doing, we were in the middle of the elk woods in full camouflage four guys rolling on the ground with Gilbert as a matter of fact as possible tell look y'all we all get leaky butt exactly we all get the mud butt syndrome now the leaky butt I mean, it's just part of it man you eat too many hot wings and listen the way them guys were cooking with all that hot sauce we were using we were all having the mud butt looking for some ice cream you know at the end of the day so oh my god it is what it is we eat too much in cow camp in, in our elk camp them boys can cook like you wouldn't believe brother and uh good night nurse i mean you know you, you, it's tough up there you know, look we try to take a shower every day but some days you just so damn wore out you don't feel like going to take a shower and, you know? that's true and and the last thing i want i want to tell all you guys out there is he ain't lying he ain't lying that's that's the god's truth they heard they heard it right there in the middle of the elk woods they were like what the hell is a man pond? I told him, I said, listen, boys, don't, I can't take credit for it. I mean, Big Black came up with it. I'm just carrying it on. You know, Big Black Christopher Borkin, he he did it. I mean, him and Rob Deerdeck brought the man. Go look it up on YouTube. It is hilarious. Got a mud butt center, ate too many hot wings. He got the mud. <laughs> right so the way he combats it so he don't chafe up was with a man pun i'm like i lost my mind when i heard that crap right i laughed so hard like to piss my pants joe so i figured man look happening to me on the mountain what i got me a charmin a square charmin son in the rock and roll man no i I carry a square charmin and two baby wipes, son, I'm done, right? I, I, no more issues. <laughs> All right, guys, remember, you heard it last here. Oh, loud and proud right here from Elk Bros. Loud and proud, man. And, uh, guys, I, <laughs> that's a heck of a way to end the show right there, Gilbert, man, I tell you. That, that's, uh, that's awesome content, man. And that's stuff that I, uh, uh, I hope uh, – there's a few of you guys out there that when your days get tough 
and uh, you're in those mountains and, and things are getting a little bit rough. And uh, I hope there's a moment when you just stop and think about some of this and it just makes you smile, make you laugh a little bit and just get back to grinding it out, you know? So that's going to conclude this, this, uh, Ornellis uh, Unleashed, bud, and, and it Joe, was great. I, I, just want, I appreciate you letting me get there. Um, some of this stuff's all in fun, but it, I ain't lying, y'all, right? <laughs> I mean, this is all true stuff. I mean, some of it may be just a tad bit embellished. I am a salesman, uh, but at the end of the day, man, uh, the man, the man pond stuff's 100% accurate. I can <laughs> I can guarantee that. <laughs> Guys, again, if y'all like what we're doing, please subscribe rate and review you know you have to go to apple podcast or itunes to review and you can check out more elk hunting content at elkbros.com and a reminder to our listeners listeners please send us questions you know we'll answer them on your on our show here and just send them to info at elkbros.com that's info to elkbros.com yep um again chav we miss you bud uh <clears throat> carl we love you, bud. Um, Chad, I hope you're getting better out there. And uh, to our Elk Bros uh, brothers out there, we hope you guys are, are really um, having a, a great life, enjoying this time at home with your loved ones. It's days like this um, and times like this when we get to laugh a little, we get to cry a little. But uh, at the end of the day, it's it's about all of us and family. And, and that's the most important thing with what we do here at Elk Bros. And we want to thank you guys for tuning in and listening. Hey, amen, Joe. And listen, a quick update on Chad. He is out of CCU. Yes. Uh, the, <clears throat> the pneumonia is off his lungs. He's off the intubator. He's uh, coming to, he's talking to people and having good conversations. He's out of the woods as far as, being life-threatening, so we can't thank everybody with all the prayers and, you know, how many prayers that were sent out for Chad and his family. <clears throat> we want you to know that we couldn't have done it without all of y'all. Thank you so much for your prayers for Chad. Please keep praying for Chad. He needs all, all the prayers we can get. <clears throat> Again, want all of our, our grinders out there to understand that we love you guys and we appreciate everything you have. Please Keep listening, rating, reviewing us. Uh, you know, keep grinding out there. Uh, husbands, please kiss your wives. Wives, kiss your husband. Hug your babies. Keep your broad head sharp and your powder dry. And we'll see you next week right here on Blue Collar Elk Hunting. See you next week, y'all. God bless. life that has the stories to back it a life to be proud of it's a winchester life yeah baby six eight western oh, i'll be over there baby right there tune in every tuesday at 7 p.m eastern on waypoint tv when you go out there and the fish are where you think they are any one of these casts could be the bite it's the most exciting fishing that i know right here at hawk's cave Experience the best saltwater fishing the world has to offer. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience. Brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts. Every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment.